Welcome to the Closing Time Podcast for the week of September 30th, 2019. I am Joe McGuire. She is Abby Bro. Uh, we got to give your son a, a birthday shout out. Actually, my son, too. They That's both right. had birthdays. My son turned four and your son turned two. two. Yes. I ask him how old he is. Max, how old are you? Two. <laughs> he loves it. My son came to our photo shoot today. We did a little photo shoot. Yep. Which was, uh, was a lot of fun. Now, um... I ended up taking the whole weekend off. Amazing. Yeah. That doesn't usually happen in this business. I know, but because, it did. because I was able to spend the entire weekend with my little guy, and we partied it up, um, played with a whole bunch of toys. Uh, it was great. And I was able to do that because you were on. You took care of everything else. Taking care of business. Yeah. You know, and that's what this is all about, doing what's important and being able to make time for what's important. So mm-hmm. I'm glad it worked out. Yes. Thank you so much. And happy birthday to him. Yes. Um, some big news. Uh, Reology is launching uh, an ambitious agent benefits program, which would give agents access to things like health insurance at rates that the company manages to negotiate down to due to their massive size. Now, you told me something just before we went on. Reology is actually like a conglomerate right. of top firms in the country. This is a brilliant move by them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this program is called Spark. According to a company statement, it gives agents access to individual health care, disability insurance, life insurance, auto and home insurance, identity theft protection, human resources solutions, workers' comp insurance, and commercial property or building insurance. Uh, it's. I'm surprised it's taken this long for anybody to put that into effect right like that seems like it's been kind of a no-brainer to this industry and why people you know the the idea that you would have to like sell into your like dead basically exactly yeah right and i know that that's a real hardship for people to pay those sort of uh fees when it comes to insurance and some people some agents don't go full into real estate and they keep it as a sidekick just so that they can have a full-time job to have those benefits so this is wonderful. This is going to just better the uh, the industry. This will definitely have a uh, a big effect. One would assume. Mm-hmm. Now, iBuyers didn't didn't get some great news. Uh, Bernie Sanders announced his housing plan. Uh, it's very anti home flipping. There's vacant home taxes, which would strain people like Open Door, OfferPad, and Zillow offers. Now, Sanders' house flipping tax. Uh, imposes a 25% tax on speculators who sell a non-owner-occupied property if it's sold more than it was purchased for within five years of the purchase. Mm-hmm. So you're paying a pretty sizable tax on any profit that you're making over what you sold it for. Right. So if this actually happens, the um, the flipper or the iBuyer would have to factor in the 25% tax on the profit of the house sold into the numbers to t- make sure that it makes sense for them. It's going to be tough. Because yeah, in areas like Connecticut, yeah, that's going to put you, there's going to be no business for it. So little uh, margin for error. That would be like doomsday. Yeah. Uh, the plan's got a 2% empty homes tax, which could also have a negative uh, impact on iBuyers, uh, though it would depend on how long a home would have to be vacant to be subject to it. So they're not sure yet, but it doesn't look good there as well. His plan does cap annual rent increases at 3% or 1.5% above the inflation rate. NARS come out and said this will harm, not help our nation's affordable housing crisis, primarily by deterring landlords 
for maintaining existing housing stock. Yeah. Um, Sanders' plan calls for building 10 million new homes, but NAR's not not down with his method of getting those homes built. Uh, some of the other things in there, 410 billion in rental assistance, uh, 50 billion for local governments to set up community land trusts, which would allow up to a million people to buy shared equity homes at below market rates in perpetuity. Like that's uh, that's pretty serious. Do we know exactly what that means? Yes, like for eternity uh, yeah. <laughs> is what perpetuity <laughs> means. But right, uh, yeah. So they're going to give these communities money so people can buy a shared um, equity home. Yeah, uh, duplexes. Right. Okay. Stuff I see like what you're that. Saying. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I sold one in Hartford, uh, a community that was completely redone, built of duplexes, would be, and it would be an ideal community for a program like this to run in. Right. So. Pretty good, pretty good stuff there. Thirty-two billion to eliminate homelessness. It's a pretty big number. That that should, I would think, make a nice dent. Uh, there's boost in enforcement of bans on predatory and discriminatory lending. Love that. Yeah, uh, a stop to the sale of mortgages to vulture funds, which are basically people who make uh, money off of the risk that you're going to pay your mortgage or not. Exactly. Yeah, not nice. Uh, and stepped up scrutiny and regulation of corporate landlords. So. Some good and some bad in there for for Senator Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Um, always big dollar numbers, and I think that scares people. What I'm interested really in is the plan to cap the annual rent increases. You know, at three percent or one point five percent above the inflation rate. So that means that it would keep the rental uh, prices low, and that's such a huge issue in areas like Silicon Valley, you know, San Francisco, all those places out there, because the people are you know living in their cars. They have full time jobs. And they can't afford their rent because they're just skyrocketed. Um, I recently just read an article about people that are paying $1,000 a month to basically live on a shelf <laughs> or like a bunk bed. Yeah, that's um, And that's expensive. Unfortunate. It is. People shouldn't have to live that way. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I mean, it, it's a different way of living and everything. Um, it's and like I'm, living in a giant beehive. Like that's that is how exactly. I imagine it goes at night. They go yeah. to their little bunk bed with their shelf. And it's it includes um, some basics, including ramen and peanut butter for food. That is yeah. sad. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting what people are doing right now. And I think that regulating those um, increases in rent would help out with that situation. So I'm looking forward to seeing if that would do anything. Well, it'd be nice to see some stuff like that. Yeah. You know, um, because properties are tough. Yeah. Uh, I saw this article and 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 I thought it was interesting. It's called Five Telltale Signs That a Property is a Tough Sell. But and I don't, I'm not a big read the comments guy, but I read the comments, <laughs> and so I hope you'll share this uh, as we kind of go through this list because it seemed like everybody disagreed with this entire list. I always go to the comments. I live there. Yeah, uh, yeah. With the <laughs> I eat my popcorn. Yeah. Uh, so number one, it says look for price drops and a high number of days on the market. Unsellable properties usually hide among the listings that have been posted a while, and the ones that have had a significant and dramatic price drop. Okay. I mean, I, I see the point there. I mean, you know, sometimes a, a house falls into your category, uh, and and it's a, a house that you wouldn't have thought would have been there. Right. Uh, that I I understand that to a certain degree. Uh, number two, pay attention to homes with too many digitally staged photos. Yes. You don't want to know what the owners are hiding. It could be anything from the lack of storage space to serious plumbing issues. Hmm. 
That is a wee bit paranoid. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, I feel like that's a little anecdotal. Like, yeah. that one time that digital photo was hiding, like, a lack of a la- pipes. Right, that's <laughs> so strange. Sink. Yeah, I mean, I guess they're saying that it's not showing all the water damage on the baseboards or something. Yeah. yeah. This is what the roof would look like if it didn't yeah. have three <laughs> holes in it. Yeah. Uh, number three, avoid listings with mentions of third parties. Mm. You don't want to know if it's a short sale or how long it'll take to close the deal with many parties involved, and you don't have the time to find out. What? I think that's illegal, isn't yeah, it? Right? Like, I... Oh, uh, it's, uh, it's bank-owned. We're going to skip this one, client. That's so strange. Uh, yeah. No, now I'm really understanding as I go through this list now for like the fourth time, maybe what's going on In here. In the People were like going crazy. Number four, watch for too many trees around the property. I agree with this. This can turn out to be a buyer's nightmare, not only because getting rid of them can be pricey, but also if they if they can't because of tree prevention order, TPO. TPO. Yeah, I don't know what that is. But um, trees are expensive, and if you have big really dead ones in the backyard, they might require a train, like or sorry, a, a, a crane. Yeah. A big giant truck. I have yeah. in front of my home two very large trees, mm-hmm. uh, oak trees, and they're big, and they're right in the middle of the yard, and the upper part of my lawn doesn't get enough sun to really grow it. I, I get it treated, and it still looks like garbage, but <laughs> whatever. I don't really care that much. I, mean, yeah. I do, but I don't because I pay someone, and it doesn't work out, but uh, I look to get those trees removed. Yeah. Holy smokes. 5K? Oh. More? Each. Five, yeah, no, 5K each. each. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, are you crazy? Wow. And he said he was going to take the wood. I was like, I think I would get the wood, no? Yeah. I that's you to chop it up into little logs for me. That's something that you really have to factor in to the price of the home when you're making an offer. But then I was looking from my front porch, and mm-hmm. it's got a nice seating area, and I realized that those trees block the neighbor's doors <laughs> from the porch, Perfect. and I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll just get them trimmed a little. Yeah, no, that's definitely the way to go. (laughs) That's a lot cheaper. Yes, agreed. Uh, Number five, steer clear of prefab homes. Yeah. Prefabricated or prefab homes as well as steel, timber, and concrete framed houses can turn into financial black holes. This is terrible. So in my um, work philosophy, I want to help people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If they have a prefab home, I'm going to sell their prefab home to the best of my abilities. And get it sold for them, whatever their um, their goal is. And I think that's basically what they said in the comments here, huh? Yeah. I, I just, uh, some of this list is a little off the beaten path, yeah. I think. Uh, a little... Um, I mean, if you want to narrow your, your market down... It's um, one way to go. It's one way to go, <laughs> right. Um, so I could see why there might be difficulties in selling properties like this. But you have those conversations with the sellers and... If they're willing to make the price what it needs to be to get it sold, there should be no issue selling any of these homes. I'm concerned about the legality of some of those <laughs> suggestions. So, uh, yeah. Another really great article I saw is uh, 10 ways agents typically get slapped with lawsuits. Now, you know, we're always very conscious of what we do. There's obviously, you know, uh, fair housing laws and got to be really careful in everything that you do. There's a reason lawyers are involved in these transactions. I mean, right. this is pretty big business. Um, and there's always that concern, right? You got to cross your T's, dot your I's. Mm-hmm. So here's 10 ways agents actually do get in trouble. 
Number one, failing to disclose a property defect. Yes. I mean, that's you're you're not uh, you're not doing that by mistake. No, no, not at all. That's not how that would ever work, right? I mm -hmm. mean, you know the foundation's cracked, and you just don't say anything. Right. I mean, we're not professionals um, in that sense. You know, I'm not a foundation professional. Um, un unknown in that situation, to be honest. Yeah, I would just assume though, if you know, but if there is a defect, yes, and that's, you don't, that's where it, the that's... legality issue comes into play. Yeah, right. I don't think I know anybody like that. <laughs> no. Uh, number two, breach of duty, which is one of the most common lawsuits brought against real estate agents. Uh, you got to know that you always act in the best interest of the client. A clients, uh, they place a special trust in you. Obviously, their fiduciary uh, responsibility is, is your number one priority. And anytime, anytime you look towards yourself first, just know you're probably going to get in big trouble. Mm -hmm. So don't do that one. Number three, representing clients in unfamiliar territory. If you're showing or selling properties in an area you're unfamiliar with, take extra precautions and do your research first. Right. I must admit, many years ago, one of my earlier sales, and it didn't even end up happening, uh, I did not. I was Wallingford, and I didn't realize that they had, like, a low-income designated area. Mm. And I had a client who was not low-income. Oh. And found a home there, and he was actually buying it uh, with the idea that his niece was going to live there. And uh, You had an accepted offer on it? Um, yes. Oh, jeez. Yes. And then... That seems like a fail-fail on both sides. <laughs> oh, it was it, big time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was probably the worst thing I've ever done in this business. Yeah, and then last year, we needed the, um, the paperwork for the crumbling foundations in a portion of the state. Um... But not necessarily, you know, in, in Lower Fairfield County or, or New Haven County. Um, but now that's changed. We do need those sort of that that documentation for the entire state. Number four is another good one, uh, because I feel like we've all watched enough Boston Legal or Ally McBeal that we sometimes feel like we could give you a little legal advice. Mm -hmm. Number four is don't ever give legal advice. Uh, clients want their real estate agents to have an answer for every question, but. You're not a lawyer, and you are liable if you tell them something and it doesn't turn out to be true. It's a good way to get yourself in trouble. What I always say when they ask for legal advice is, oh, you should ask the lawyer. He'll know all of that. Mm, yeah. That's a bad one. Yeah. Uh, you know, same thing with mortgages. I, 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 like, I'll, I'll answer simple questions on a mortgage, but even things I feel like I know, I'm like, you should talk to the mortgage person. Yep. That's your best bet. Yeah, that's my go-to line. Yeah. Uh, number five, misleading clients. I mean, it's, again, if you're doing that, it's probably intentional. And, and I mean, I think just based on that, you can imagine how that's going to go. Not mm -hmm. well. Number six, a breach of contract. If you don't obviously deliver what you say you're going to deliver, you're going to get sued. Right. Especially because it's 2019 and everybody gets sued now. <laughs> Number seven is failing to keep your clients' data safe. Uh, hackers are obviously everywhere these days. Uh, and if they get information from you, <laughs> you could be liable. That's interesting. Yeah. should really have uh, secured uh, everything. Your phone. Should, you should make sure you got good firewall protection and all that. Right. You never know.
You think you're just some little realtor out in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> Connecticut, but... Sending texts from your phone oh, with yeah. no password on it. They're watching. Yeah. Number eight is failing to recommend inspections. That's which, ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you don't need an inspection on this place. I would never have my client buy a home without an inspection or without, you know, obviously explaining why you would want an inspection. But in hot markets, they waive that left and right. You know? Uh, well, yeah. Because you want to have your offer accepted. Yipes. Yeah. That is playing with fire. Number nine, negligence. It's a cause of action alleging the failure of exercise due care toward others that a reasonable or prudent person would do in the circumstances. Mm-hmm. So if you're just not doing well by your client, that could be a problem. Yes. Maybe maybe you don't really know what you're doing. Maybe you get yourself uh, in over your head. Yeah. That would be bad. And then number 10, I always feel like there's one of these in every article for realtors, but bodily injury. So weird. If a client's injured during a showing or you're found liable, oh, you'd be responsible I... for reimbursing any costs related to the accident. I don't know what they're talking about here, but I did see um, someone say that they were showing a home that was not theirs. Um, but there was like a trap door in the kitchen that had been left open and it went to a wine cellar. The buyer during the showing fell straight through it, oh, like broke geez. his body no. all over the wine. Oh, my goodness. Good I know. It was ruined. And I think I remember seeing that it was on like the there was like a camera in the kitchen and it was just like literally, literally just like boop, it was gone, disappeared. It's crazy. So in that situation, I feel that the seller actually got in trouble or maybe the listing agent. I'm not sure. I'm but sure yeah, a lot of people got in trouble. I know. For that. Oh, Very man. interesting. I don't know why I laugh when people fall, but it is funny. Yeah. No, and what I do, just a little tidbit, um, when you have open houses in the wintertime, always have rock salt or, like, kitty litter in your back car. So if there's showings or open houses, you just put a little kitty litter down. Oh, smart. Yeah, a little something something else to drive around in your car with. I actually (laughs) had cat litter in my trunk um, all down to the crevices and stuff because I uh, had a box open up mm. in the back of gross my... yeah oh yeah smelled nice though yeah you're right i guess it wasn't used and yeah. my my uh it was very dry yeah there you way. go perfect uh so obviously that house uh with the wine cellar <laughs> yeah i don't know what happened <laughs> yeah that's not good <laughs> um so to flip or not to flip that's uh that's a common question uh sometimes is renovation the best idea for an investment property so if you're considering flipping a property Just a couple things to consider. Maybe why not flip a property? Could seem like any older property that you remodel automatically becomes more value, but that's not the case. No. Landmark properties, properties on a historic register, or even properties with historic architectural features could all see their value actually decrease if you were to remodel and modernize them. Yeah, you have to do it correctly with preserving... um you know, the certain aspects of the home that make it what it is, the home that it is. This was Martha Washington's sister's home. What? And now it's a contemporary, yeah, Ew. you know. So again, you got to gotta know what you're doing. Uh, when do you, When you do flip, you got to weigh the cost of your renovation project against the profit that you stand to make from the sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a loose formula for estimating the cost, and it goes a little something like this. Acquisition cost. Plus your taxes, insurance, closing costs, plus your holding costs, 
plus your carrying costs, plus your construction budget, plus 15%. That 15% obviously is huge. Um, you might even want to go 20% uh, if you're new in the business because you'll find out really quickly that uh, that'll get eaten up pretty quick. Right. Uh, so here's some things to ask yourself if you were going to flip. Where's the property located? Obviously, this business really summarized in three famous words, location, location, location. Uh, is it an area with high sales velocity? How many other properties in the area have sold in the last few months? Obviously, if houses sit in the, sit on that market, that's maybe not a good place for you to flip. Right. Uh, good schools. That's certainly something you want to consider if you're going to do a flip. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, what is your profit potential? Again, got to calculate it all out uh, and make sure, again, with that contingency that uh, you will still turn a profit. Otherwise, it is a lot of wasted time and effort. Mm -hmm. And do I know anything about construction or design? <laughs> <laughs> do I know anyone that can help me if I don't? I feel like if that's you've like, answered no yeah. to any of those questions, flipping is not for you. I know, I know. And um, knowing common mistakes as well, like newbie mistakes compared to, you know, veterans that have done it for years and years, you know, don't buy the, the best materials at Home Depot you know, shop around, um, know where to spend your money and where to kind of save a little bit. Um, because again, if you are heavily relying on uh, people to do these sort of construction and, and design elements in the home, rather than having a crew or um, doing it yourself, it can get wildly out of control very quickly. I was the buying agent on a flip that had floor beam in the basement problems mm -hmm. that all had to be redone. Oh, geez. And that was the only way to close it. And I mean, literally ate up every last dollar of this guy's profits. Uh, and he, and he told like, you that? Yeah, he told us at the closing table. He was like Yikes. the nicest guy in the world. It was his first flip, the first time. He had, he had worked as a flipper yeah. for somebody, and it was his first attempt on his own. And, and he would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those damn support beams. He was well on his way. And then that flip that we saw in Cromwell, right? Yeah. Where th you could tell that they had done a really good job. They put a great, you know, furnace in there and everything. Um, it looked great, but they weren't done with it by the time they put it on the market. There was still, like, construction tape everywhere and, like, the back porch wasn't working. Or, sorry, it wasn't, like, you couldn't step out there. There was a big backhoe in the backyard. You know, make sure that everything is done before yes. you put it on the market because that's just going to sit. Also, this is a this is to someone specific. If it's the person that did it listening, I hope uh, if you're going to put a bathroom down to the basement, that's great. But if it cuts <laughs> into the washer dryer area to where yeah. I would need like a stackable about six inches wide, that's not going to work. Right. And now yeah, there's that was no another washer mistake. dryer area. Yeah. So. Also, if you move the stairs, make sure the attic isn't directly over it, because where are you going to put the uh, ladder to get up there? Right. Yeah. Logistics. Mm, yeah. Got to think it all out. <laughs> um, this is great. You know, uh, how to handle a business crisis. And this applies, you know, again, not only to like a corporate company, but even to what we do. We, we run our own little business. Yes. That's what this is. And uh, there are times where... You are in a business crisis. And mm -hmm. you'll know when you're in a business crisis because, number one, you will be in fight or flight mode. Uh, according to Harvard's medical school, 
fight or flight response is a survival mechanism that allows us to react to threatening situations passed down through evolution. Um, you'll feel your heart kind of racing. Again, this could be some kind of, uh, you know, financial disaster. Yeah. You know, you know again, and, and to varying degrees, but this is how your body deals with it. Uh, number two, handle an uncomfortable task each day. I love that. When you're dealing with a crisis with your business, tasks are often tasks that you, you know, kind of make you cringe. Uh, maybe you have to let somebody go. Have you mm -hmm. ever fired somebody? That's not fun. I have. Uh, especially if it's not something they did, mm, yeah. you know, or if you were to separate from a client just for whatever reason, it doesn't feel good. But during major crises, there's often tasks that need to be done to get you through that phase of your business or even your life. So take it one day at a time. Number three, have a support person or a group. I mean, that's so important uh, to your emotional and have like emotional support. A psychologist is, is great. Um, Happy hour is even better. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes just grabbing a couple drinks with your buds after the uh, after a long day, just kind of blowing off a little steam. But this could know? also be your local BNI group or, um, you know, I think we've mentioned mom bosses of Connecticut a couple times here. Um, you know, a group of supported people that are like minded that you can bounce things off of and, and get help from. I did CrossFit for a while. Oh, geez. Yeah. The ultimate support group. <laughs> I bet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they support you when you're in the hospital getting back surgery. I mean, literally, <laughs> I, like my first day there, it was a disaster. But yeah. like every they everybody waits until you're done. Mm -hmm. So they've all oh, finished. My oh my god! Yeah. They're like Joe, 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 and I'm like, no, everybody, just yeah, go just ahead, go. head out. It's gonna yeah. be a while. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. They literally made. I mean, that happened to me for like six straight months. It was talk about flight or fright. Or, yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or flight or flight. Yeah. Flight. No yeah. Kidding. And I'm gone. Here's a big one. Realize that your worst case scenario is not actually going to happen. Mm. Uh, Tim Ferriss wrote a book called The 4-Hour Workweek. He said Such something. Such a good one. Yeah, you know it? Yes. Uh, so he said, whatever your worst case fear is, like the worst thing that can happen, just keep in mind that the reality will be much less than you actually think. I mean, we always overthink things. That's just mm -hmm. sort of how it goes. How am I ever going to get over this? Well... How many times have you said that in your life? Yeah. How am I ever going to get over this? Well, congratulations, because you're here. Yes. And then number five, just remember who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, you're a hardworking entrepreneur. You're out there doing your thing. And you know what? Everybody has losses along the way. That's yeah. that's what I, I, I personally, and I'm a big sports fan, too. I think you could learn so much by losing at times. Mm -hmm. it, it, and it also makes the climb back up that much sweeter. Because you really kind of sit back and enjoy it. Interesting. That was I, meant to be inspirational. Right. I felt like it fell it flat. It fell a little flat. <laughs> well, I was just thinking about all my failures while you were saying that. Oh, so, no. No, but how I have learned from every single one of them. And I've never made the same mistake twice. I just keep finding interesting ways to fail. <laughs> I... Absolutely love that, and that's yeah. uh, one of the I give. So references. maybe that's the. Whenever I give references to people, I'm like, this guy's great. He'll never make the same mistake twice. He'll yeah. make every mistake in the book, <laughs> but never the same one twice. Yeah. Uh, which leads us to you know you, you and I have been talking a lot. I mean we we have a broker Sanam mm -hmm. who is uh, so incredible and spends so much time motivating us, and and even brought in you know. More like-minded people, the the Britneys are a very successful team. Yes. Uh, you know, 
And 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 I think her mindset is when you're surrounded by successful people, you become successful. Yes. So if you're looking for a mentor, here's 11 qualities. I believe Sanam has all of these and probably four more. But let's run through the list. Number one, share skills, knowledge, and expertise. Good mentors are not selfish. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to my buddy, John Carbuti, who I'm certain listens to this podcast. Uh, I've never worked for John. And as long as I've been in this business, he has always shared ideas marketing tools websites you name it he i mean he's the kind of guy who wants to see every single realtor be successful he's friends with sanam yeah because of that same reason they're just again like-minded people and then i actually almost had a deal with one of his agents is that it, right it, we couldn't pull it together in the end but she worked very hard and it was, it was yeah that's what it, they do yeah and and i'll tell you he is is so involved just like sanam just always kind of putting you in position to be successful that's what you want, sharing all the great ideas they, they, they have, and it works. That's mm. why they're successful. They're just trying to help you. Uh, they excel in time management. That is so important to make the most of your time. You know, it, it's, it's easy if you have a couple hours during the day to take a little break. You could be making calls. You could be sending out postcards. You could be – there's a lot of things you could be doing. Yeah. A good mentor is always – getting things done and, and we see that with our broker yeah but you can't expect her to be there and drop you know everything just to you know when you ask but she probably will still do it <laughs> i'm just thinking about that house we had to get into when she oh popped my God. in on like a saturday afternoon it was incredible that's right she did help us yeah. uh number three thinks outside the box uh I, again i think that's so important i mean again we went door knocking and I thought it was the stupidest thing in the world until we did it. Mm -hmm. And it was successful. Right. See? They <laughs> share good ideas. Even if you don't like them, do them. Watch what happens. Right. Uh, number four, they welcome collaboration, which is so important. You know, working together, bouncing ideas off one another. Sanam loves to do scripts. Yes. And I heard her on the phone today. Mm -hmm. She didn't have a script. But I heard all of the verbiage of the scripts. Yeah, the ones that we've been oh, practicing. Oh, she was magnificent. She I was knows like, it. oh my goodness. Yeah. Number five, shows patience. Yeah. Patience of a saint. Uh, <laughs> a good mentor remembers what it was like to, to, to be not successful, to not be a mentor, to not be a leader. Mm -hmm. They understand where you're coming from. Number six, provides feedbacks and sets goals both personally and for others. How many times have we been through that? Yeah. I feel like I'm always writing down my dreams and my goals. Well, because they change and you have to, you know, re-zoom in on what they actually are. And as we found out, when you write them down, yeah. they're real. They're real. Number seven, understands that mentees must take responsibility for their success. Yep. It's ultimately up to you mm -hmm. to accept their help. Exactly. Number eight, involved in the community. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, that's just a no-brainer. I think if you live in a community, you should be involved. There's no reason to stand on the side. No. And again, just as we're talking about our mentor, she is involved in the community big time. Very much uh, so. Has a proven track record. Yes. Clients love her. Mm -hmm. Full time in the industry. Has been for a long time. Respected within the realtor community. I mean, what else could you ask for? Nothing. Maybe number 11 is team-minded. That's yep. maybe the only thing better. And we got all that. <laughs> we got it all. We got all that and then some. I don't know what National Aww. Broker Day is, but we should get her something. We're definitely making it this month. 
Nope. She'd be an Today's item the of, last day. She'd be an item of value. <laughs> yes. That I do know for yes. absolute sure. That was a Buffini reference. Um. What? Yeah. It's, yes, it was. <laughs> and again, thanks to Sanam for that. I. I. I was always very resistant to kind of getting that kind of like super realtor training. I thought it was dumb until we did it. Yeah. She made us do it. Not made us do it, but offered it to us. We accepted. And my goodness, it like changed my perspective on everything. Right. Yeah. Well, that and she has um, tidbits from everybody. You know, Tom Ferry, Gary Vee, all of them. That's what it's all about. You yeah. take the best of what everybody gives you and do your own thing. Mm hmm. Uh, including this, here's a great piece of advice when it comes to pricing. Uh, working with a lot of buyers, people obviously are, are they have price ranges. Yep. And agents price things like they did 50 years ago, and it's not a good way to do it. Go to realtor.com on your mobile device, okay? Look at the pricing parameters. Here's what you're going to see 120,000, 250,000, 600,000, 700,000. Zilla uses a slider. Yeah. Right? The numbers come up in multiples of what? 10,000. 10. 10. Right? Some MLS systems allow you to search by specific prices, but most of the traffic on, on Realtor.com and Zillow, this is what they're doing. So many searches take place on mobile devices. So if you price your property at $499, $999, that $1 difference can cost so. you up to 50% of your potential buyers. That is silly. Stop doing it, people. Right. Uh, the reason that these uh, people who were searching for homes priced at five hundred to five fifty will never see that your listing is priced at four ninety nine nine. Mm -hmm. They don't even know it's there. Nope. So do yourself the favor and start pricing it in twenty nineteen terms, like they make you do on the Zillow. <laughs> uh, I, I had a nice Zillow conversation with my clients who were shocked to learn that Zillow is not dead on accurate oh, in everything no. they say. Oh, you shattered their Oh, their yeah, minds. I did. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was fun. It was fun. Did I they was take like, it okay? Oh, they did. I yeah. was like, Zillow's cool because they asked what's better, Zillow or Realtor.com. And I was like, well, Realtor.com is actually real estate. It's like the National Association of Realtors. Mm -hmm. Zillow's a computer. Yeah. A little different. Yeah, a little different. You know. And then I mentioned that they just started using pictures for their for their estimates and how <laughs> how clutch that's going to be. Exactly. Uh, before we wrap things up, uh, something super cool that the Connecticut Association of Realtors is doing. Uh, they've launched its opioid awareness campaign. Tickets for a concert for recovery powered by CT Realtors featuring Keith Urban are officially sold out. Yeah. Uh, did you the, get a ticket? I did not. No. I can get tickets because yeah. I know people. Okay. Uh, concert is November 17th at Mohegan Sun Arena. Um, WTNH News 8 and iHeartMedia uh, are, are in cahoots with this on this multi-month-long campaign. Uh, all the concert proceeds will be used to provide charitable grants to organizations in Connecticut addressing the opioid crisis. Uh, if you go to Realtor.com, uh, you'll, you'll see the link for it. Uh, Hopefully you got your tickets. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously it, it sold out pretty quick. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, country country music isn't really my jam. Yeah, I love. I'm one of those people. Like, I love all music, even metal. For yeah, I'll <laughs> listen to metal, but country's just never done it for me. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know a Keith Urban song. Maybe I do. I don't know. But I love if, Keith Urban from American Idol. Oh, okay. I don't know him from that. Oh, <laughs> but, you know who he's like Nicole Kidman's husband. Oh, is that what? Okay, that's that guy. That's that guy. So I don't. But you know he's what? Australian. Really? Yes. A country singer from Australia. Yes. 
You didn't oh, know that? I'm going to oh, look into like this. this That's funny. Yeah, he's great. But I love the cause. So, it, um, you know, I'd go and I'd sing every single word of his songs that I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you can learn them. They're I'd probably that, not yeah. that complicated. Yeah. It's a country song. Oh. Well, that will do it for this week. Make sure you like and subscribe. Feel free to share this with your friends, other realtors, or anybody who you think might enjoy it. In the meantime, I'm Joe McGuire. That is Abby Bro. We'll catch you next week on the Closing Time Podcast.